listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. Once again, wherever you are on planet Earth, wherever you are in the United States of America, you are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Why do I say that uh, in such an upfront manner? I'll tell you why I say it in an upfront manner. After years of doing radio, radio talk show host, radio commentator, television commentator, all that stuff, you know, you, you, you observe uh, techniques and uh, the art of radio production or TV production or whatever. But what I do is a little bit different. Actually, it's considerably different uh, because my thinking process, when I go into something like writing a book, ministering a church, Paradise Mountain Church, and stuff like that. When I go into something like that, I, from childhood, because of my DNA and, and my DNA, period, because it's not something I consciously developed, from my earliest childhood, the way my brain processes things, and I was telling this to my wife the other day, and, and she knows more about me than anybody on planet Earth, because we have... Uh, why we have a good marriage is because over the years we have talked about everything and been through everything together. And uh, it's a very powerful dynamic. And I'm not putting anybody down who's divorced or on their second or third marriage. Believe me, I'm not putting anybody down because when I look at anything, including marriage, divorce, or whatever, any problem that somebody has or did have or whatever, I don't look at, through, look at it through a humanistic grid. Therefore, I do not judge people for the most part. No, I can't say that years ago I didn't judge people because I did. Probably for different reasons than you may have, but I, don't, I try not to judge people. Um, and that means I look at them the way God looks at them through grace, unmerited favor. And I try to see not only who they are, but who, who everything that they could be in God without some self-righteous subconscious agenda that I'm going to be you know, that person's Messiah and, you know, give them the truth and and I will set them free. That's all baloney. Okay, so I look at people and I look at people as a blank slate sounds like there's nothing there. There's plenty of stuff there, but it's more in the potential stages. And in my earlier life or lifetime or lives, I don't believe in reincarnation. The Lord taught me a lesson about people as he always does. And by the way, He does it to you, too. If you are not being taught regular lessons from the Lord, if you are not experiencing the Lord's love towards you and stuff like that, may I suggest to you, and it's not meant as a put-down or condemnation, that you recheck out your relationship with the Lord to make sure, one, that you are born again, and it's not a put-down, and two, that you have a supernatural relationship with Him. Because everything I'm talking about only flows out of an ongoing supernatural relationship with the Lord. Otherwise, it doesn't appear. Okay, so the critical thing here, and and this is why I start the program the way I do, and this is what I was saying to my wife the other day, and I'm saying this for your benefit as well as mine. So what I'm about to say to you can really help change the destiny, the outcome, of somebody that you know and love, maybe yourself, your children, your grandchildren, people you know, people that are on your heart. What I'm about to share with you now, not because I'm some great guru, but simply because I'm an ordinary guy who reads the Word of God and seeks the face of God in an 
extraordinary way by the grace of God. Okay, so um, when you walk with the Lord, he speaks to you, he leads you, he guides you in a supernatural manner. And so what I'm about to communicate to you is a distillation of principles that when, when the light bulb finally was turned on in my head and you have one of those aha moments. Now, I'm stubborn, okay? You, you may not think I'm stubborn, but like many of you, I'm stubborn. Sometimes I have to be told things many times because I'm resistance, resistant. And even though my enemies who are ill-informed and uneducated would, would attempt to call me a conspiracy theorist, the fact of the matter is I'm far from that. I am by nature very cynical, very skeptical, and I don't easily accept things or buy into things unless I have total scientific historical proof or research that definitely backs it up. I'm just not going to jump on any bus, okay? And that's something a lot of people don't know about me. They assume, oh, you know, you know, he's open to everything. No, I'm not. I'm probably far more in the other direction of skepticism than the average person. But that's what causes me to do research, to do science, et cetera, et cetera. And if I don't find the proof or evidence that such and such is true, I reject it, or I put it in a file in my brain called, uh, you know, it's roughly called stuff I'm still working on and I haven't figured it out yet. That's a, that's a big file, because there are many topics and subjects where I, I don't have a definitive answer yet. The jury's still out, and I'm still processing it. Okay, so. What the Lord told me many years ago, this is, this is when I was just beginning my writing career, writing Christian books, exposing the New Age. I was at the National Religious Broadcasting Convention, you know, the NRB, where all the booksellers and Christian authors go to market books, meet with bookstore owners, et cetera, et cetera. At that time, one of my first books was picked up by a publisher who also, at the same time, picked up a book by, at that time, an unknown author named Grant Jeffrey. Many of you know his name because he was, until he went home to be with the Lord, he was a mega best-selling prophecy author. However, at the time that I met him, he was a complete unknown. Nobody knew who he was. Okay, now, what I'm about to share with you has happened to me a lot in my life, and it's because the Lord, in his love for me, isn't going to let me scoot out from under learning an important truth. So my publisher introduced me to Grant Jeffrey. I was very cordial and polite, shook his hand. We, we engaged in small talk. And like I said, nobody knew who he was. And, and I was just starting to become a national name as an author. But, but I, I wasn't, you know, some famous person or whatever. So I remember distinctly, I wasn't disparaging him. I didn't say anything negative to him out loud. I didn't give him a, one of those looks. But in the back of my mind, when I looked at him and I looked at his book, I made a, a quiet assessment and judgment in my head that uh, this guy, you know, his career is probably going nowhere, you know. And what I was doing in the privacy of my mind when I looked at him is I was minimalizing him. And I was allowing my perception of him, which is human and flawed, to to uh, come up with a perception that, you know, he, he really wouldn't amount to anything, which is false for two reasons. One, it's a violation of a very important spiritual rule and law. Two, 
in this particular case, and God deliberately wanted me to experience this. In, in this particular case, it turned out that this unknown author, Grant Jeffrey, went on to be one of the biggest best-selling prophecy authors in the world, selling millions and millions and millions and millions of books. So, as the years went by, he kept selling millions and millions and millions and millions of books. So the point is, I judged him privately in my mind. I made I made an assessment of him, which only known to me, diminished him in my mind and lowered him in my mind because I I made a judgment in my mind that, you know, he wasn't going to amount to anything, which was not only totally false, it was the complete opposite of what happened. So many years later, and God does stuff like this all the time, it's kind of humorous. Oh, I don't know, 20 years later, at least. By now, I've had Grant Jeffrey, uh, the prophecy author, on my radio show a bunch of times. And this time, I invited uh, uh, Grant Jeffrey to be my guest live from the live studio set up that our radio station and the nationally syndicated Paul McGuire show. Uh, we had a platform like the booksellers, and we had a portable broadcasting studio and chairs and stuff. So I interviewed uh, Grant Jeffrey uh, live for about two hours uh, from the NRB. Now, you have to remember, time has now gone into the decades, and the man that I wrote off in the secrecy of my head, I'm now interviewing because he's so well-known and so many people read his books. So God was teaching me a lesson. And I've had to go through that lesson with different people many times. And then the other thing was that, um, which I forgot to tell you, when I first met Grant Jeffrey, with my, because we both had the same original publisher, uh, I wrote him off privately in my mind. But where I met Grant Jeffrey was at the book table of our mutual publisher, at the National Religious Broadcasting Convention, okay, at the NRB. So here we were at least 20 to 25 years later, and I am, I, this time, it's our radio network, which has a setup, and 25 years later, I'm interviewing Grant Jeffrey for my program, the nationally syndicated uh, Paul McGuire show, and, and God raised him up. Now, what's my point? This is not about Grant Jeffrey. This is not, I'm using him because that's an illustration that came to my mind. But this same dynamic, and I would bet you anything, you know, Christians are not supposed to bet, so, so I mean this metaphorically. But I would bet you anything that to the vast majority of you in the listening audience, that to whatever degree, less or more, you have gone through similar experiences that I have, where secretly you looked at somebody, you met somebody or whatever. And in the privacy and the secrecy of your own mind, you dismissed them, you wrote them off, which essentially, just between you and the Lord, you, you, you minimized them, you diminished them. And you've probably done it a bunch of times, because guess what? We all have a fallen human nature, and we all have a propensity to do that. It's actually, the sin we're committing is actually a form of judgment. Okay, the problem is when you judge without having the real facts and an understanding of the person, and then you make a projection or an edict as to their future destiny, 
where it really, really becomes dangerous and where people's lives are often permanently damaged and destroyed and warped is when we move from the area of secretly uh, judging them or secretly uh, minimizing who they are, when we move from that area of, of the private arena of our minds, and if we ever say it out loud or write it down or communicate it in, in a way that people and the person you're talking about or other people hear it, now you have, you have been a, a destroyer, potentially, to whatever degree, you have become a destroyer of some man or some woman or some ministry or some whatever that you decided to write off, which is a form of cursing them. So the final thing is what the Lord, he used that and countless other learning scenarios where I have, I can't say I've stopped at 100%, but I'd say maybe 99, 98%. I've stopped doing it because I realize the moment I'm tempted to do it, I realize, Paul, if you go through with this, even if you're just doing it in your own mind, God forbid you should say it out loud, but even if you're doing it just in your own mind, you are violating a powerful principle of God's law. You are judging, you are cursing a child of God's life, and the very fact that you're making a judgment against them, which is a portrayal of less than who they are in your mind. Even if it's just in your mind, the way God's law works is that just cultivating the private and secret perception that minimizes them, what you're doing is you're releasing psychological power, the powers of the universe, you're moving them, and in a sense, whether you you understand it fully or not, you are projecting or speaking a curse upon their lives. Now, because they're innocent, they, I mean, you know, for the most part, and they didn't do anything wrong, it's really what you did, or what I did, uh, God's grace and protection is on them. But the bottom line is, this is a very slippery slope, because you're not supposed to do that, and the, and, and the mere fact that you are doing it, even secretly in your mind, you're, you're transforming spiritual energy into the physical realm world, and your words, even if just inside your own mind, are moving forward and functioning as a curse coming upon that person's life. Now, the way this plays out, and then I'm going to move into something else, the way this plays out is it's very subtle. I mean, you're most likely not going to see a lightning bolt come out of the sky and vaporize somebody. But God created every human being as very sensitive and very perceptive and very aware to the environment around us and to what's going on in the minds and hearts of the people around us. So when we participate in a silent curse against someone, that person and other people, although they may not understand fully what it is they're feeling in the spiritual atmosphere of where they are, but what they feel on a subconscious level, at least, is a kind of discordant vibes, that's hippie talk, discordant vibes, or electromagnetic frequencies that that cause strife and people to not get along. In other words, you're not, you're not insulated from your thinking. You're actually helping create a negative world, and you have to come before God privately, because it's a private sin, and ask Jesus to forgive you for judging somebody, for marginalizing somebody, for minimizing somebody, for diminishing somebody, and all which goes out like a curse. 
and you go to God privately. You confess it as sin, and ask you, you ask the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you of all sin. That opens the doors, the rivers of living water, the channels of blessing to be released. And now you're moving and operating within what I would call uh, the side of God. You're moving in the flow of God's Word. Okay, all of this stuff is important. You need to get my book, a whole bunch of them. I, I would suggest that every person listening, Lord willing, and depending upon your unique situation, obviously. But I'm challenging you to invest in a minimum of 10 copies of uh, Power from on High and maybe 10 copies of uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Now, if that's too steep for you or whatever, you might consider getting five copies of Power from on High and five copies of The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Now, of course, this is all predicated on whether or not you're going to pray to God and ask God, God, do you want me to help and partner with Paul McGuire in this? And then you obey God. But if you would take that simple act of obedience and then loan the book to your friends and talk about the book with your friends, you know, not in a boring way, or they won't listen. And you'll find that uh, the information gets out there and it starts to spread. You are doing what I do. You're participating in this ministry at the highest level. You're planting seeds in the minds of hearts of people that can change the outcome of America and change their outcome. So I encourage you to do that. You get a bunch of books, then you loan them out, or you have Bible studies, or you know, just have lunch with you know, select number of guys or girls or whatever, and discuss the key principles in the book. And you know you know what the key principles are because the chapter headings and the sub-chapter headings all are usually a short phrase which outline the main topic being communicated in, in that section of the book. And you would be surprised how a simple act of obedience like that, and you've got to anticipate with some people there may be resistance, but don't get hung up about it. Every salesperson knows that just because you get rejected doesn't mean you're not selling a good product or whatever. If somebody is, you know, ambivalent about it, move on to the next person. Don't waste your time. You're offering them knowledge, which is precious gold and jewels. If they can't see it, move on. Now, um, what brought this up was the fact that I know for a fact through my research that when before the communists take over a nation or the Nazis take over a nation, whether through uh, communism, Marxism, socialism, or Nazism, what usually happens is the Nazis or the communists begin to distribute. Uh, back then, there was no electronic social media. So the, 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 the communists and the Nazis distribute street literature, which is both educational and propaganda, and, 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 and give out, you know. Millions of copies of these short newspapers or uh, short, uh, you know, ads and stuff containing their propaganda. So now you've got to understand how effective they were. Remember, in in communist Russia, the percentage of, of actual radical communists was less than four percent of the people were communists, and in, in Nazi Germany, it was like two less than two percent of the people. No, no, no. In Nazi Germany, I think it was like 18% were Nazis originally. The rest of the people weren't. 
So all of these nations, because they believed in what they were doing, they seeded the minds of the people with the ideas of, of the Nazis, the communists, the Marxists, etc. And that's how they took over a nation. You can seed a nation with good thoughts or bad thoughts. So, so that is our goal, and it's critical. Now, I was interacting with somebody the other day. I'm the type of guy that, oh, yeah, it was in, the, uh, it was in a supermarket. I do a lot of research. I know you may think I'm nuts, but I do a lot of research in a supermarket or a pharmacy or some, you know, a Walmart. If I don't even know if they're still open. I heard they, they went belly up. I don't know if that's true or not. So um, the, the, the key is that uh, you go into these superstores and you observe people's behavior. And I talk to people, okay? I mean, I, I'm sensitive to where they're at, if they're in a hurry or whatever, you know. I, I adhere to the social dynamics. I'm careful about what I say and how I say it because I'm hyper aware of the fact that once you start to even remotely tiptoe outside of the, the box they call normal thinking, you can be looked on with suspicion or worse yet, they're programmed to believe you're a conspiracy theory nut. So since I know that already, and since you know that already, it gives you a powerful advantage and a powerful way of winning. And that is, since you know the, the primary wall and resistance you're going to meet, and what it's composed of, you know, conspiracy theory not, and since you know how they perceive people who they think are conspiracy nuts, you can, you can do something very intelligent and very true. God says we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So you can use that information. That's called intelligence, as in intelligence agencies, etc. You can use that intelligence or information to dismantle in your opponent or the person you're trying to reach or the people you're trying to reach. You can make subtle statements. You can demonstrate subtle behaviors, uh, and you can communicate to them on a very subtle way because if it's not subtle, it'll backfire. And in a subtle way, you dismantle the validity of their perception that you're a conspiracy theorist. So when you engage in seed planting or even light discussion, you're not going to be met with explosive hostility and hysteria, because you've already acted on your advanced intelligence, and you, you know what the name of the game is, and you dismantle it. That's how you, that's how you win. Now, I was listening to a number of people talk, and they, they, it was like so often I'll, I'll, I'll hear an expert on somebody's program in alternative media, and I could swear they're, they're literally, what they're saying is they're literally uh, quoting from my books, chapter and verse. And I know that because most authors worth their salt uh, um, can perceive almost instantly if another author has been influenced by their work, or if another author has read their works, and if your works have influenced another author. I call that my signature. It's the unique way every different author presents information. It's the unique difference of your personality that filters into your written work. I have certain ways of saying things for different reasons, sometimes for humor, sometimes for this or that. I have very specific, strategic, different ways of saying things that I've invented myself. I didn't get them from somebody else. And not bragging is just a fact. 
Therefore, my writing and my speaking is different, and in many cases, I believe, more effective than the average communication, because I'm employing different words, a different mindset, and different vocabulary. Now, all of that I call my signature. Other authors have their signature. The same thing is in, like in music. You can hear a musical band, whether it's pop, a country, uh, rock and roll, hip-hop, rap, whatever it is. You can hear an artist or a superstar perform. And if they're borrowing in style or rhythm or lyrics, or, or if they're borrowing from some other you know, giant band like the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or something more contemporary, you can hear it alone. You can hear it instantly that they're that they're kind of cloning somebody else's stuff. And if you're the the, the writer or originator of, of it, uh, something, you you can feel it and sense it immediate, immediately. So all the time I hear people talk, and I know that they've spent a huge amount of time reading my stuff, listening to me. And the reason I know that is my signature is all over their what they're saying, and the concepts they're talking about are not concepts that were in the public consciousness for the most part until I began to, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the truth, until I began to uh, inject those ideas into the mass culture and the alternative media culture. Now, my purpose in this is not bragging. It's, to, it's telling you how, how we do an run around the monopoly of thinking uh, being carried out by the social media giants. So, the critical thing here is that you, uh, you, you function and communicate in such a way that you anticipate what your opposition is going to do in an effort to dismantle, marginalize, or minimalize what you're trying to say. And that means, that means you, I don't make it work, but I, I would like have like fantasies of being in debates. And these are not fantasies of, of delusion. They're, what I'm doing is, it's like I'm playing a video game in my brain, and I'm in this virtual world controlled by my imagination. And I see myself debating people like, you know, Yuval uh, Noah Harari of the, uh, uh, the globalist elite or, or, you know, some famous atheist or, or whatever. I actually see myself debating them or standing in a hostile college or university where they are used to screaming and yelling and denouncing and rioting in front of conservatives or Christians. And so what I do is I create an artificial world, and I imagine I'm in the environments I just said, and the hostility and the attacks are coming up against me. And then I, I try to remember and download all the examples of people who attempted to win against these angry mobs but the angry mobs were able to take them down because even though they were very intelligent people, they had not thought through sufficiently their debating strategy, their, their, their you know, what will I say? What will I do if they say that or they do this? Or how will I handle it if they just go berserk and rush the stage? You see, because we're in an environment where anything goes, you as a communicator, of truth that is true, but not necessarily popular, you have to train yourself and discipline yourself to be able to operate and be victorious and handle anything that comes against you, including silence, hostility, physical attacks, people just going nuts and just firing curse words. 
So none of that. See, I keep seeing Christians and conservatives surprised and and shut down and censored when when they're treated with that intense opposition. And I'm saying to myself, what did you expect? You're in a war. It was your job. I'm not saying I'm better than they are. It was your job to do your homework and know what their strategies are. So if they rush the stage, why are you surprised? Why didn't you have a plan? And so I try as best I can to, to play these virtual debating games where every scenario I can think of, and many of them are things that have not yet happened to anybody, and I play out or I map out in detail what I will say, what I will attempt to communicate with my facial expression, what I will definitely not say, even if I'm baited. You know, and sometimes I really have to go over it over and over and over again because I'm just like you. I'm a human being. And 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 they're 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 when they bait me, because I know I'm good at what I do and I have a strong personality, that can become a potential area of pride. And they bait me, and if I'm not careful or if I'm having a bad day, I can lose it, uh, uh, fall into their trap uh, of being baited, lose my temper, or say something stupid, and then they finish me off, which I could have avoided had I rehearsed and trained uh, the debate. You see, so that's why I do that in my mind. It's not a, I'm not a control freak. I'm spontaneous for the most part. I don't even use notes. I'm spontaneous. Etc. Etc. But in today's environment, where we, those when I say we, conservatives, Christian belief system, Judeo-Christian belief system, capitalism, whatever, we are the enemy. This nation, you need to understand this. I'm not embellishing this one iota. This nation, America, beginning in let's say around uh, the late 1800s, has been the target. And what I'm saying is going to sound shocking. But I have documented an historical truth uh, substantiating my claims in my books, like Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, Conquering the Matrix, The Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and many other books. I, I detail and document what I'm saying. America, for the last 100 years at least, has been under an all out socialist. Marxist, communist insurgency, which is a nonviolent means, at least initially, in, in taking over a nation. Now, the other thing you need to know, you, you have to take your mind and, and go through the artificial glass ceiling, because the people that run this world have programmed you and me since childhood, uh, so we, they would keep us thinking in a small box. But the reality is the so-called education that you received was enormously based on mythologies and lies. Did you hear that? I didn't exaggerate. You were bombarded with lies from your diapers on. Okay? Fact. It's up to, your, it's up to you to disprove it because the, the, the uh, evidence is overwhelming. Then the other thing that you have to realize is that um, they want you to think in a small box. Why? You know, people talk about the injustice of slavery, uh, and rightfully so. Slavery is a horrible sin. People talk about the injustice of some of the the, uh, settlers 
killing the Indians, breaking trees, raping their women, stealing their land. And, and a disturbingly large percentage of that is true. Now, the only thing I would add is that the people who claim to be Christians who did this overwhelmingly, for the most part, were not real Christians. The pilgrims and Puritans loved the Word of God. They had the Holy Spirit inside of them. And you cannot find historical research, research or records that suggest that the Bible-believing pilgrims and Puritans, who were serious about their faith, uh, persecuted, killed, stole the land of the Indians, or, or made slaves of uh, our brothers and sisters from Africa. So we have to make that all-important distinction, okay? Okay, so what happened was that uh, people, professional radical organizers, beginning about 100 years ago, I began to take off. Well, actually, when you read my book, oh, this, I, I, I'm going I'm to blow your mind for the good. We're going to be back in, 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 in seconds. You need to go to paulmcguire.us, paulmcguire.us. Get yourself a bunch of books. Get knowledge, which is power. And you don't have to walk around hiding, avoiding getting into a discussion with somebody or bowing your head in subservience, which I, I, I watch Christians behave like that all the time. It's disgusting. And I look at them, and they look like downtrodden servants and slaves, terrified that everybody will accept them. They're appallingly ignorant in just about every subject matter. And they cannot intelligently defend their faith, and they cannot intelligently uh, uh, debate against these lies in, in the culture. So it, it's, it's embarrassing when I watch them because, I, you know, I'm a keen observer of people. People watching is a hobby I had since childhood. And I look at the reaction of people, and I look in their eyes when they see uh, a so-called Bible-believing Christian as on cue, hemming and hawing not giving an intelligent response to an intelligent question, and basically presenting themselves like a certified doofus. Well, guess what? People in the world, they smell doofus a mile away. Okay? So you're not accomplishing anything, and that's not the will of the Lord. That's why our nation, you want to know why? I mean, this is so simple. You want to know why? in America, that the fastest growing religions in America are, number one, witchcraft, paganism, and the New Age. Number one fastest growing religion. Tied for that, number two fastest growing religion is uh, atheism. Now, you want to know why the kids are flocking to New Age, witchcraft, uh, Eastern mysticism, and stuff like that? They're flocking to it because it promises that it will give you the answers you want, it won't give you all this religious, uptight, weird, upside-down garbage. And uh, they, they, they'll give you power to transform your world. And not only that, they market it with a vengeance. So they have all these movie stars and hotshot people and movers and shakers who are being interviewed who are all promoting everything from yoga, meditation, witchcraft, Satanism, you name it. That's why it's growing. If we want to regain the youth and regain the young adults, then we have to not only preach the gospel, we have to function like true ambassadors for Christ. Now remember, this is a no-brainer. An effective ambassador in any time of history not only represents his nation properly, but he or she dresses, talks, uses certain idioms, their style of dress, their taste. 
they are presenting an idealized form of America that's designed to build bridges. And they are, for, if they're good, they're taken seriously by the way they speak, the way they dress, et cetera, et cetera. They play the game to win. They don't do what a lot of Christians do, which is they can't even qualify for the game. So people call me all the time and, and, and ask me, and they want, we start talking, and I'll talk to them if I have time, give them the answers they want. But inevitably, you know, a week goes by, and they want more answers, and they want more in-depth answers. And really, the bottom line is that I've never, I have never encountered more, encountered more women, more men, more young adults, more young adults. I've never encountered more of them than I have in my entire lifetime right now. It's like a never-ending flow of people that are literally starving for answers at a level I've never seen before. They want to know why the world is going crazy. They want to know why we have a president that appears to be a cyborg. They want to know why the banks are imploding. They want to know why all the food that they read about uh, is, is poisonous or, or whatever. And, and they're, see, what they're, they're going through the, the middle of a wake-up in their consciousness, and they're seeing reality for the first time. And now that they've begun to be awake for the first time, they realize that these churches and the media and all the rest of the people that are just propagandists are not really giving them the answers. And that's why they come to me, because they know that Paul McGuire, through his books and his talking and everything else, that I've been giving out the answers with documentation for, you know, at least 60 years. No, well, excuse me, at least 50 years. Okay? And so I have all kinds of people contacting me secretly. I have high up heads of certain denominations, Christian denominations. I have some of the highest level, largest pastors of the largest churches in America talk to me. I have people that are leaders in all kinds of uh, esoteric and advanced fields that come to me privately. And they come to me privately because they know I'm not going to betray them and give out their name. And in and, and these candid moments, they're asking me, they tell me stuff that they never tell, told me. Like one guy who was the head of a major denomination said to me, totally impromptu, said, Paul, you're my hero. I thought he was joking. I was like, I'm your hero. I, I, thought, I thought it was a joke. I'm so used to being attacked. I don't know how to answer a compliment. He said, you're my hero. And it was because, I see, I thought he secretly hated me because I told the truth on the radio. Well, the fact of the matter is, I was his hero because I told the truth over the radio, and I didn't hide it. And he, he respected that. He was starving for that. And you'll find there are people in your life that, despite their gruff exterior, they're starving for the truth on a level never seen before in human history. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Paul McGuire Report. It is amazing. Oh, by the way, welcome back to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. It's amazing how so many of us, me included, we have preconceptions where we think we know what people are really thinking and stuff. And yet, I think the Lord is doing something in my life because this has been an ongoing lesson that the Lord has been giving me during a lifetime. But I, but I just had an epiphany because something else happened about four weeks ago. And that is a particular individual who I, not in a negative way judged, but I had appraised that this person was totally set in stone regarding their worldview, their beliefs about certain things. 
and uh, basically, you know, what they believed was opposite what of what many of the things that I believe. So I was shocked. After knowing this individual for a couple of years, I was shocked because I had not had a long conversation with them since before the COVID vaccination type thing happened. Okay. And so now this is like over three years later, and this is the first time I've talked to this individual. And we talked for about an hour, and then in the last 15 minutes, I don't know what changed. Oh, I know what changed. I looked at this person in the eyes, and I said, you know, this, this is weird. And don't think I'm a nut. I, 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 I'm very careful about how I sculpt these words and when I use them. But I said to the individual, not based on a lie, based on what I was really experiencing, I said, you know, I feel energized by this conversation. I, I can't put my finger on it. But it's like energy's moving through my body. Now, I knew that, that I wasn't going to say it to the individual because I had some restrictions on me. But I knew in my heart that the energy I was talking about was I could feel God in the conversation. And as it turned out, this individual, because of the whole COVID thing, completely reversed their positions on a number of things. God used it, and, and they now were open to God. They, they reversed their positions on all kinds of things, and God moved. God changed them. Now, thank God I never gave in to the temptation, you know, of, of, of getting into some conflict. Okay, so this is where I want to go with this. So people keep coming up to me, and they talk to me, and it always comes down to the importance of almost every time that somebody contacts me now, but it's from all over the place. They'll often open by, I've been listening to you for years. I've been reading your book for years. And everything that you warned about in your books and your tapes and your messages, everything you warned about is now coming true. And thank God, because if it didn't come true, then I, I would have been a false prophet. So the critical thing is, those people were, were kind of like open from the beginning, or they wouldn't have listened to me. The key thing is, we want to, we're fishers of men. Well, I guess fisher women of men, too. Uh, the idea is that, you know, I know almost nothing about fishing. <laughs> I'm a city boy, but I have fished. I know that it's key, if you want to catch a lot of fish, just to find the right location the right time of the day, and absolutely the right bait, and then you'll catch fish. So it's that when you're, when you're a fisher of men and you're trying to reach people for the Lord, you have to be strategic. You have to use the right bait. You have to be at the right time, in the right place, in the right location, and then you'll catch fish. Then you will uh, evangelize successfully. So the critical thing here is you have to be able to intermingle in every level of society. That means your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors, your, your husband, your wife, your ex. I don't care how many times you've been married or whatever. My, my job is to minister to you where you are. Okay. And so, so the thing is, the way we affect change, if, if the 50% of Americans roughly that are, that are clueless, that are living in zombie land, that are literally in a scientifically induced mind control state. And I'm not exaggerating. That's at least half of America. That's why they can look at answers and not see them. So if we're going to change our nation and evangelize our land, 
we have to find a way to reach those people. Now, all if our strategy is all about antagonizing them and angering them, all we've done is thrown up their defense mechanisms. We've reinforced their deeply entrenched, biased beliefs that have caused them to hate us. And we've played into the devil's hands because we're not using God's strategy. So the name of the game is we have to learn how to bridge the gap to communicate with people. And what the Lord was showing me over the years is, Paul, it begins with, going back to Grant Jeffrey, it begins with not judging people. Because when you judge people, when you diminish people, when you, when you write them off, even if you don't say anything, you are generating an energy field into this world that they can pick up. And this energy field is toxic. It's dis- discordant. Uh, it creates divisions. Uh, it eventually can be violent. It, it, it generates uh, racism and all kinds of stuff. So we have to recognize that when we allow, and this, you know, there were so many passages in the Bible, especially the, the, the New Testament, that talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, things of that nature. And I always kind of chaffed at the fruit of the Spirit, even though I like the gifts of the Spirit, and I always kind of chaffed at all the things in the New Testament that talked about forgiveness, turning the other cheek, loving your neighbor as yourself, etc., etc. It's not that I didn't believe that that stuff was true. Yeah, it was true. I just, it's just the people that I, that I saw attempting to practice that in the real world did it in such a way that, that I mean, I couldn't relate to it. it. It simply was they used those verses out of context to justify their ministry calling, I'm being facetious, to be a doormat that people walk on, or to be a speed bump that people drive their car over and it boom, says the car goes over the speed bump. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the teachings of Jesus Christ should never be mistranslated in such a way that you think you're getting marching orders to be a doormat or a speed bump. Because if, you, if that's the case, then you don't, you're not understanding what Jesus is saying. The way we turn around the culture is we have to win people. To win people, you need them to like you. So, so you need them to like you. They, you need them to listen to you because it's only if they like you or listen to you or whatever that they will take the time to consider seriously what you're saying. So winning back America is a matter of each one of us seeding the gospel into other people's lives. Now, this is a case that for the, for in most circumstances, the expression more is less is of paramount importance. It's not how much volume of the gospel you, you send out. That's not going to win it. It's more of, it's better to have less volume and a smaller amount of communications, but the content of the smaller amount of communications is accurate, strategic, anointed, and in the true love of Jesus Christ. You'll change nations. So, <clears throat> literally, I'm going I'm to take a complex truth and make it as simple for you as I can. Now, in my books, Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Day the Dollar Died, Conquering the Matrix, <clears throat> um, Power from on High, um, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the Mystery of the World, and other books, all at a discount for you at paulmcguire.us. 
Now, in, in the most simplest way I can explain it, this is an estimate. Whether it's 50%, 60%, 70%, let's say it's 60%. The 60% or 62% of Americans which are in a trance state, they're in a programmed state. They cannot perceive reality accurately. They're, 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 they're zombified. If we hate them and we just name-call them, we're not going to win the battle. They are that way because very powerful people through the educational process and the media made sure that these people in their developmental years and now as adults, that they have been hermetically sealed off through social media, alternative media, media, records, music, whatever. They have been hermetically sealed off from all viewpoints, all perspectives, all scientific data, all scientific facts, all truths. They've been separated from knowing the truth on all these different levels. And so in a state of ignorance, that causes them to believe the set of beliefs that they believe, which in essence is they're dumbed down. I'm not joking. This is very serious. They're dumbed down and because they're dumbed down and zombified and programmed and, and in a scientific mind control state of consciousness, they, their ability to perceive, their ability to understand and evaluate, their ability to make plans, their ability to discern, their ability to recognize propaganda, lies, and psychological manipulation, their ability to withstand, overcome, and have insight into what we call psyops or psychological operations warfare, which is when a military or a cult or whatever uses psychological warfare uh, with the intent to control and destroy. It's weaponized. It's psychology, which is weaponized. So all of these dynamics are happening. And in order for us to be victorious, both in our personal lives and as the, the, the bride of Christ, we need to be up to speed in these areas. And that's why for decades, I've written about all of these areas in my books, uh, like Power From On High, which you can get at PaulMcGuire.us. So, as long as they continue to sit in front of the television screens, the, the video games, the, the comedy shows, the sports, as long as they allow them to drink from the constant barrage of programming and mind control of so-called normal in-the-box TV, okay? That's, that's socially acceptable and politically correct to the invisible control grid that's running America. As long as that's all the data, the facts, and the input they're receiving, like the, the ladies on The View, if that's all they're receiving, then they are going to stay in a state of what psychologists call lower-level consciousness. Because when you've been dumbed down, what happens is that your neurological pathways, these are the pathways that carry electrons and your ability to think properly, your neurological pathways start to regress and shut down if all you're getting is dumbed-down information. These neurological pathways actually atrophy, and they literally rot, and they no longer function. Now, how you know that's happening is because when people get full-blown Alzheimer's and full-blown uh, um, dementia and other disorders like that, usually those disorders began, and nobody noticed them, 20 or 30 years ago in very subtle, incremental ways. And then as you choose not to use your brain, 
you choose to eat toxic foods and chemicals, you don't exercise, the whole synergistic nature of all these negative effects causes um, your brain to like shut off, and that's called dementia or, or Alzheimer's. Now, so, so on top of that, you have to be cognizant of these facts. And I have these facts and the documentation for these facts in my book. You need to read the books, talk about them, and spread the word. Okay? It's serious. Because let me give you an example. The Lord will prompt me supernaturally. I know that sounds like out there, but I'm not going to lie and tell you that it's not because it, he does. And the Lord will tell me to, like, research frequencies. Or the Lord will tell me to research autoimmune diseases. Or the Lord will tell me to research any number of things. Oh, the electrical fields in human bodies, quantum physics, quantum mechanics, uh, the ionosphere, weather modification technology, all kinds of stuff the Lord will have me research and study, you know, 30 years before anybody knew about what it was. So the critical thing here is that if we do not give them uh, an input a series of intellectual, spiritual, knowledge, thinking inputs that not only contain truth, and by the way, the mere communication of truth, truth is a conveyor of biochemical energy, truth is a conveyor of spiritual energy, and truth is a conveyor of psychological or mental energy. When we expose people to truth, um, we are infusing them with all the different energies I just brought up. When they're infused with all these different energies under the general capsule, if you will, of truth, then that stimulates the brain to grow, to think, to perceive, to come alive, and to become younger again. When the human brain is younger, it's flexible. It's open to new ideas. It can process new thoughts. And that, that biochemical process in the brain is known as neuroplasticity from which we get the word plastic. Neuroplasticity is how flexible is the brain between your ears. And the more flexible it is, the more powerfully it can think, perceive, create, and innovate. So neuroplasticity is everything. And you, you develop neuroplasticity primarily by your diet and exercise, the ingestion of omega-3 oils, the healthy oils are good for your brain. Um, exercise, uh, things of that nature. Oh, and, and, and using your brain. Neuroplasticity keeps your brain vibrant and alive. Now, for every category of topic that I brought up on today's Paul McGuire report, so whether it's the topic of neuroplasticity, Alzheimer's, dementia, psychological warfare, whatever, whatever the topic was or the category it is, know that the way God created the world and the universe, etc., for every category that I describe, there is a corresponding specific numerical electromagnetic frequency that resonates at a particular vibration, and that vibration is what causes the manifestation of the healing part of neuroplasticity, the, the disease of dementia or Alzheimer's, the, the level of your intelligence and creativity. All of this is directly connected to whether or not you are operating your brain, your body, your life, your thinking, your consciousness, whether you're operating it in the same specific numerical electromagnetic frequency 
that God created. And that you need to understand that is a reason why the Lord told me to, to research frequencies. And there's a reason why I began to write about them years ago. I don't <clears throat> expect you to be an expert in everything, but if you get my books, I talk about frequencies up until the future and beyond. So like in the book, uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, I talk a great deal about frequencies, volume one and two, and other books like Power from on High and uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Frequencies are everything. We are, are, the fact that we exist, that we can be seen, that we feel and taste in this physical world uh, dimension is because we are in this physical world dimension, which we call reality. We're here because we are being projected by God from another dimension. We are being projected into this physical world. That's the, the projection we're talking about is a specific electromagnetic frequency. That's, that consists of electricity and magnetism operating at a specific numerical frequency. And that makes you, you, and me, me, and certain knowledge. It all has a vibration. Like, like and you're, these vibrations, you see, the elite know all this stuff, and they don't want you to know. That's why knowledge is power. That's why the emphasis is what it is with Paradise Mountain Church and Paul McGuire Ministries. We are, we are doing an end run around the censorship wall that the elite has erected, because the elite want the people dumbed down so that they can enslave them and make them powerless. The, 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 the middle class and working class and the ordinary person in America and the world, we, you need to understand that we are right now in World War III. It's not coming. We're in World War III. And that this war is on many levels different than any warfare we've ever fought. We are in the world's first technological war, electronic cybernetic, transhumanist, genetic, DNA war. We are in a physical war with submarines and jets and rockets. We are in a uh, biological war with the ability to supercharge immune systems, but the ability to create artificial pandemics and diseases. We are in a war where 5G can actually send out a healing signal. 5G cell towers, but 5G, as I as I document in my books, also has the power to fire off a specific 5G frequency, which is the same power and numerical frequency number as directed energy beam weapons, which which when fired at people, it makes them feel like they're being burnt alive and they run for their lives. Or you can fire a directed energy beam weapon at somebody uh, and give them a heart attack from a distance or create a disease over time from a distance. This is the nature of the warfare we're in. All of our thoughts and ideas and beliefs, when we are being baited to participate in racism or riots, when we are being baited to, to go into anger or depression, or when we are being baited to surrender to the lie that, uh, apart from the Federal Reserve and the government, we're all going to be broken paupers and slaves, when the exact opposite is true. If God's people were really to receive the revelation and the truth that God Almighty is our source, that Jesus Christ is our King of kings and Lord of lords, if that's the truth, and, and it is, and we don't violate that truth and release a curse into the earth, 
as Deuteronomy 28 warns us, when we practice the fact and the truth that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is our source and God is our source, and we begin to look totally to God as the source of all of our need, God can miraculously provide, miraculously deliver, miraculously give income, miraculously bless you in, in jobs. There are the windows of heaven, listen to me, the windows of heaven in Malachi have been put there by God, and God is waiting to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there isn't room enough to receive. That means the windows of heaven, there's a relationship between your willingness to to give, to pour out life to people, and the windows of heaven being opened to, to pour out a blessing that there isn't room enough to receive. Now, traditional evangelical theology says, okay, you're supposed to give 10% to your church, and that's all. I mean, basically, that's it. That is not a complete truth, and it will keep you in bondage and poverty and debt your entire life. That's a partial truth, not a real truth. First of all, let's define storehouse. Storehouse in today's world, your spiritual storehouse is the place or the places that God has directed you to get your spiritual food, to get your spiritual inspiration and motivation. That is your proper spiritual storehouse. Many of you write me and say that, that this program uh, the Paul McGuire Report is, is, is a source of ministry and energy and healing and motivation for you. Well, yeah, it's because it's it's become your storehouse, okay? And then you're supposed to, 10% is the absolute minimum. Now, I'm not trying to give you, be forewarned, I'm not trying to manipulate you with clever interpretations of the book of Malachi that are designed to psychologically force you to give money. That is not my intention, so let's just stop right there. But there is, there's a deeper truth, and this is the truth that I operate by, okay? I'm not an accountant. I know some great accountants. They love the Lord, and, and God's using them mightily. I'm not an accountant. For me in my life, I have to follow what God is doing in my life, not clone somebody else's life. So in my life, Everything I do, basically, is for the Lord. My life is the Lord. I don't, I, I don't regret it at all. I love it. I get high on it. All the research I do, the reading I do, the exploration, the searching, the ministry, it's all one holistic system, and I don't mean it in the sense of New Age mysticism. You understand? My whole life and everything I do in my life is my ministry and vice versa. I don't, I don't have a pie where I only give God 10%. I'm not trying to guilt or shame you either, okay? Everything is the Lord's. And therefore, all my time is the Lord's, and and my money is the Lord's, because that's the basis for everything I do. So, for years I was kept in bondage because I was being manipulated uh, to to understand that verse in a very legalistic way, which was basically a, to be a cash flow machine for, for certain types of ministries. So anyway, the Lord set me free. and. I give everything. But you see, when I say I give everything, there's no gun to my head. And I'm not nuts. It's one in the same. Because everything I do, my hobby is my profession. And, and I know everybody else doesn't, doesn't work that way. I, don't, I got that. So the Lord, I give to the Lord everything. But not just a check. My life, my work, 
my books, I mean, on and on and on. It's just a constant, open, reciprocal system. So that's what I'm trying to, to point out. If you give God everything, and you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, this is not about legalistic edicts from heaven. This is about when you're walking in that supernatural relationship with the Lord, where you give him everything and the channels of his blessing are open, then, then you can expect God. Now, you have to pray. Sometimes you have to fight for it spiritually. God will, will as you need it, and in his timing, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you and your loved ones that there is not room enough to receive. So that's supernatural blessing of, of massive proportions is yours. Now, that doesn't mean you're exempt from work, study, research, and developing yourself, because you're not. But you're opening the doors to God's supernatural blessing. And this is where, where I'm trying to take us on today's program. The most critical thing in the world is the concept of identity and ownership. And I write about this in my books. If you're a parent, a grandparent, or whatever, I spent many years thinking, reading, researching, contemplating, praying about this principle of identity. And I realized, and all scientific mind control works, by the way, by exploiting the principle of identity. The basic game is people will follow the person that they believe is the cultural leader, the head of the in-group. People are terribly insecure, and people, uh, the overwhelming majority of people, will follow those people that they've been programmed to believe are winners. Okay, but now we have the greatest upheaval in the history of mankind, and the, the, the symbols of the status quo, the kings and queens in this temporary world system, the, the so-called authority figure scientists and politicians, and on every level, the authority figure banks, the authority figure whatever, they're all collapsing, they're all in chaos, and if you follow uh, uh, sources of information that are like the Titanic, you're going to drown and die. So everything's in flux. The, the people that, were the, the, that, that everybody looked to subconsciously to be the authority figures, to teach them what to say, how to think, how to perceive, many of them, if not a majority of them, have been caught as liars and arrested in court cases. The whole system is in upheaval, okay? And the whole system is under attack. So identity is how they conquer your children and, and, and other people. Everybody wants to be a cool one. It goes back to grammar school. Everybody wants to be the hip and cool one. So you have to be able to bond with people quickly, not in a mushy, repugnant way. So you bond with people quickly, which means they open up to you, and you don't exploit them. You love them. And you begin to plant the seeds of eternal life and Jesus Christ in a language they can relate to. But you also... You begin to speak healing into the core of their identity, because everybody's identity right now has been shattered, has been warped, uh, has been damaged, causing depression, anxiety, addiction, and all kinds of stuff. But you see, God, if, if, if your heart's in the right place, God will give you the wisdom to circumvent this. And one of the most powerful things we can do to transform a nation is to begin to in a very loving way, begin to bond with people, not as an idiot bonds, but as somebody who's wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, 
but innocently that our motive is never to exploit when we bond. And when they trust us, and they're not going to trust us if we're the, the always late, the worst employee at the job, the, the lowest performing employee at the job, the person that nobody can rely on, the biggest gossip. If you think for one moment that you're going to be an influence, just forget about it. You got to clear all that garbage up because nobody is going to take you seriously. The key is to to rebirth a visual, spiritual, physical identity, a personality of what a Christian really is in this world and this time, and let the people, you know, let the people in America and across the world have the deception taken from them and let them see all the real Christians that are now emerging, you know, football players and athletes and, and people in business, people from such a wide spectrum of, of dynamic fields are, are coming to the surface. Alice Cooper, the rock star, coming to the surface and, and publicly professing Christ. There's a spiritual revolution going on. So the stigma of being a Christian is being removed by God supernaturally. And it will continue to be removed. What we need to do is heal with the power of the Holy Spirit the core of people's wounded beings. We need to bring them the message of salvation and truth. And we need to be people that are not filled with judgment and anger and diminishing people and self righteousness. We need to be sanctified vessels, not in the phony sense of legalism, but we need to be sanctified vessels in the sense that you and I are living conductors of the love of God, the healing power of God, the truth of Jesus Christ. We're living conductors of the dunamis dynamite power of God. Now, as this begins to spread from person to person, and it will, with mathematical certainty, this energy, which is the kingdom of God in force, begins to spread from person to person. It goes all over the world. It's like people get, get caught, set on fire the fire is the energy of the Holy Spirit being released when it is no longer bottled up. Then it spreads from person to person, from group to group, and it grows around the world. In the process, it, it destroys counterfeit identity, and it births a new identity built on the power and beauty and majesty and wonder of biblical truth. And when you're coming from that place, now this is the ultimate turn on. When you're coming from that place that I just described, you, my friend, walk in the futuristic, eternal state of, to use secular terminology, you walk in a state of peak performance. You walk in a state of being enhanced, not through artificial synthetic DNA, not through mixing humanity with a hybrid demon, not, not with a defilement factor. You, you, enhance, you allow God to enhance you, you allow God to initiate peak performance. He did it to, to everyone he called in the Old Testament and New Testament. Everything they did was enhanced. So when you're operating in multifaceted enhancement, David was, that's why he slew Goliath with one slingshot. Joshua and Caleb dropped giants in, in Canaan like there was no tomorrow because of the enhancement and peak performance. Joseph became the right-hand man of Pharaoh and was responsible for developing the never-built-before pyramidical water supply super system that catapulted Egypt into an empire of empires. And he did that because Joseph was enhanced by God Almighty for the job, and he was given the ability supernaturally 
to enter peak performance. No, that's just a few. That's just a few. God has that for you. Okay, that's the vision. We need to educate people and teach people and communicate to people about these truths, Bible prophecy and salvation, like never before, as fast as we can. That means we need to enlarge the scope of our vision, and we need to enlarge the projection of the numbers of souls that we're going to save. That's what we're in the process of doing with Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church. That's why I have quietly spent time seeking the Lord like never before, fasting, praying, reading, and meditating His Word, crying out to God. And God is showing me what to do and what to tell His people in this chaos. Now, the enemy has a plan, which is to destroy us by artificially manipulating all facets of our environment. The Lord has shown me a super plan that will give His people the supernatural power to destroy the strategies of the evil one. So visit paulmcguire.us, ask the Lord, how much should you donate or make a contribution financially? Join our e-blast, join our social media. I explain why this is essential. Be a volunteer, spread our, our links, and become an intercessory prayer warrior for me, this ministry, and the people associated with it. I'm an intercessory prayer warrior. It is the foundation of the power that comes out of this ministry. If I was not an intercessory prayer warrior, I would be powerless. But I have and walk in power from on high, like many of you, because I am an intercessory prayer warrior. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.